You're listening to audio from Shandon Baptist Church. If you'd like to check out more resources from us, please visit our website at shandon.org. Today, as we step into the Lord's Supper, we're going to do so through the lens of Scripture. We're going to be in 1 Corinthians chapter 11, a passage of Scripture that deals specifically with the Lord's Supper. And I know it's already been stated, but if you're joining us online, we, we want to invite you into this celebration of the Lord's Supper. And so if you haven't already had the chance to do so, we would encourage you to grab something from your pantry or your refrigerator that, that you can have to, to observe the elements of the Lord's Supper. And we'll talk through that in a few moments as we prepare to take these elements together. But we're grateful that you're joining us and we want to invite you into this beautiful ordinance of the church that we get to share together. I'd like to invite you, if you're willing and able, to stand with me as I read from the Word of God, 1 Corinthians chapter 11. And we're going to begin in verse 23. And all around the room we stand. And the reason we stand is so that we can be reminded the word of God is our authority. The word of God is what the people of God stand upon. What God says is right and good and true. And certainly, I think we could all agree that in the the culture and the context that we are living in today, where there's a lot of different interpretations of what is right and good and true, we need to hear what the Lord says. We need to hear what God says about what is right and good and true. So we turn our attention to his word to be reminded that the Lord has spoken to us and the Lord has something specifically to say to us today. So this is what the word of God says. 1 Corinthians 11, 23. For I received from the Lord, this is the Apostle Paul writing, I received from the Lord what I also delivered to you, that the Lord Jesus on the night when he was betrayed took bread and when he had given thanks, he broke it and he said, this is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way also he took the cup after supper, saying, this cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat this bread and drink the cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. This is the word of the Lord. Would you pray with me as we consider God's word and prepare our hearts for this observance of God's holy communion. Let's pray. Father, as we come before you now at the reading of your word, it is my prayer that you would speak into our lives what we need to hear. We are so grateful for the privilege of gathering together in worship in in many different locations as people join us online. We're so grateful for the freedom that you have granted us to be able to gather. And Lord, as we do so, it is our prayer that our hearts would be in line and in step with your heart. It is our prayer, Lord God, that you would have your way, that you would speak clearly to us, 
and that we would recognize with greater clarity and greater understanding the love and the grace that you have made available to us through Jesus Christ. So we turn our attention to you. In the name of Jesus, we offer this prayer. Amen. Amen. You may be seated. Thank you for standing. It has been an interesting year for the Lord's Supper, has it not? The last time we observed the Lord's Supper together as a church, we were all online. You may have joined us for that time. You may have had some interesting elements that you use to represent the body and the blood of Christ. But as we come back to this beautiful ceremony today as a church, I've so looked forward to this day. We tried to figure out the best way to do this in a, in a safe manner in this social distancing world that we live in now. And so we're grateful to, to have this, this modified version, if you will, of the Lord's Supper, a, a prepackaged Lord's Supper. Isn't capitalism great? There's opportunity to make money around every corner and somebody came up with a way to observe the Lord's Supper as safely as possible during the coronavirus. But we're grateful to have this time. And here's the point of the Lord's Supper. I realize many of you know this. Many of you have been observing the Lord's Supper for years, for for your entire life. But for for many, there is some some confusion around the Lord's Supper, or this may be a new experience for you altogether. The Lord's Supper is intended to refocus us back on what matters most. Every time the Lord's Supper is discussed in Scripture, it is done so through the language of remember. Remember what Christ has done. Remember the gift that has been offered to you. Remember the sacrifice that was made at the cross. Remember why Jesus came to begin with. And as you remember, the Lord's Supper invites us to realign and refocus our heart on what matters most. So the Apostle Paul is saying here to the church, to to us today, remember what God has done and then remember, please hear this, what binds you together as a people of God. Because what so often happens in the busyness of life or the chaos of life or the uncertainty of life is we begin to focus on the things that actually pull us apart. And Paul is saying to the church, remember what Christ has done because what Christ has done is what binds you together with the people of God. So today, as we enter into this scripture and prepare our hearts for the celebration of this beautiful ordinance that reminds us in Christ, we have been given a new story. That has been our theme for these last few weeks. We have been given a new story if we are in Christ. And the Lord's Supper reminds us of what matters the most. He Jesus is the point. He is our hope. 
He is the answer, and he should be our focus as we seek to live by faith as the people of God. Now, it's interesting to note why the Apostle Paul so strongly emphasizes the importance of the reminder given to us through the Lord's Supper as he writes to the church in Corinth. I want us to go back a few verses from where we began, verse 17 of 1 Corinthians 11, because we see there is something happening in the midst of the church in Corinth that is leading the Apostle Paul to remind the church of how important it is to return to the cross so that you can focus on what binds you together as the people of God. 1 Corinthians eleven seventeen it says, but in the following instructions, I do not commend you, Paul writes. This is gonna be a little painful, he's saying. Because when you come together, listen to this, when you come together, it is not for the better, but for the worse. Basically, Paul is saying, this is about to be a really tough conversation. There's some things happening in the life of the church that are not good at all. In fact, there's some things happening among some people in the church that cause you, when you come together, to actually not come together for something that is better. You're actually coming together and you're making it worse. He's basically saying it'd be better if you just wouldn't gather for a time. Because what you're doing right now is missing the point altogether. I have a mentor in ministry that uses a line when he's about to have a very tough conversation with someone, and the line that he uses is this, I love you, but I'm about to hurt you. That's what Paul has said here. Church, I love you, but this one's going to sting a little bit. Because this one's going to address some things that are going on behind the scenes in the hearts of some people in the church that need to be brought to the surface and brought before the cross so that you can be reminded of what binds you together as God's people. So what is it that is taking place in the life of the church? It's amazing how appropriate this is for our day and time Today, look back at the scripture, verses 18 and 19 of 1 Corinthians 11. Paul writes, for in the first place, when you come together as a church, I hear that there are divisions among you. And I believe it in part for there must be factions among you in order that those who are genuine among you may be recognized. Now, this is an issue that is very near and dear to the heart of Jesus, which means this is an issue that should be very near and dear to the heart of anyone who calls themselves a follower of Christ. It's the issue of unity versus division. It's the issue of paying attention to what matters most versus getting distracted by the things that we say matter most to us that don't line up with the heart of God. And Paul is saying here to the church in Corinth, there are clearly divisions among you. 
There is an attitude that is prevailing among some of the people of God in the church of the Corinthians that is far from the heart of God and it has led to factions. Paul says these factions stand out because they look so different from those who have a genuine desire to lift high the name of Jesus. Paul is saying basically that the proof is in the pudding. You, you can see the fruit of those who are divisive. You can see the fruit of those who are creating factions because what they are doing looks very different from those who are seeking to lift high the name of Jesus above all else. And these divisions have been created because there are a group of people in the church who say that what they want is more important than what should truly matter to the people of God. And Paul says, when you come together with this divisive mentality and these factions that are actually creating separation instead of drawing the people of God together, it is actually for the worse, not for the better. It would be better if you would just take a break. Could it be in 2020 that that is exactly what God has said to the church? There have been some things that have become normative. There have been some things that you have begun to prioritize that are more important to you than the mission I have given you. So I'm just gonna give you a little pause. I'm just gonna ask you to stop and think. I'm just gonna invite you to refocus and reprioritize what is truly most important. Because I love you. This might hurt you, but I love you. So I want to get your attention. This summer I was driving to meet our family at the beach. I had come home to preach. Our family stayed at the beach on vacation. This was a strange summer, so they got to do that. And I was in a hurry to get back to them on a Sunday afternoon. And I was driving between here and the beach on one of those beautiful back country roads that many of you have been down, where there is often not a police presence at all. And I was cruising because I was ready to see my family and I had preached to a camera and I was exhausted and I was kind of lost in my thoughts, just flying down the road and all of a sudden, those blue lights showed up behind me. And the officer was very kind, he was very gracious, but he gave me a ticket that I very much deserve, I can tell you, based on the speed I was traveling. But it was one of those moments where I was stopped from what I was doing, totally unaware of some things that I was doing that were not appropriate, 
where someone that actually cared more about my safety and the safety of others than I did in that moment said, I need to get your attention because what you are doing is actually a hazard to your health and the health of others. Maybe, just maybe, that's what the Lord has invited the church into this year. It's not that I'm mad. It's not that I'm angry, God's saying. It's that you have lost your way a little bit. And you have begun to prioritize some things that actually distract you from the mission. You have begun to elevate some things even higher than what Christ has done. And you didn't do it on purpose. And it's not that you were, were, were trying to inadvertently create factions in the church, but you have begun to prioritize some things as more important than what I say matters most as the Lord. And so I want to get your attention. That's what Paul is saying here to the church in Corinth. You have missed The point. And so I want to return you to what matters most. Let's go back to the cross. But we see here the issue that was created in the Corinthian church. We'll go back to verse 20 of 1 Corinthians 11. When you come together, here it is, it's not the Lord's Supper that you eat. So this issue of division has actually been created around the Lord's Supper. But Paul says, for in eating, each one goes ahead with his own meal. One goes hungry while another gets drunk. What? Paul says, Do you not have houses to eat or drink in? Why are you bringing that nonsense to church? You despise the church of God and you humiliate those who have nothing. What shall I say to you? Shall I commend you in this? No, I will not. For I receive from the Lord what I also deliver to you. And then he goes back to the Lord's Supper. What's taking place here? This seems very unusual. This is somewhat of a a shocking scene. But what we're seeing here is the, the wealthier members of the church are coming together, quote unquote, for the Lord's Supper, and they're throwing a big party, but they're not inviting the rest of those who are in the church who don't have the same means to come and celebrate. So they're having a big feast while the poor and the hungry are given nothing to eat. And they're doing it from the standpoint that says, hey, we're blessed, you're not, sorry. Obviously God's favor is on us, not on you, sorry. And there's this element of spiritual arrogance or spiritual elitism that has begun to grow among some in the church. The Apostle Paul knows that spiritual elitism is always a heart issue. It's It's a posture of the heart that says my way is the best way, my way is the most important way, and it actually misses God's best altogether. And so Paul is saying to the church, when you come to worship, if you come to worship only caring about what you want, you have missed the point altogether. 
If you come to worship only caring about your agenda, there is a really good chance that you are neglecting what matters most and neglecting the needs of others who are actually around you as you gather. Paul is saying this is not about the the body of Christ being fed and nourished and encouraged. No, you have made this about you being better than others and your way being better than what someone else might need or want. So that leads to division. That does not bring unity for the bride of Christ that is in line with the heart of Jesus. It only breeds division. So how does Paul address it? And this is what is so beautiful. This is the gospel lived out. This is the grace of God. When there is a tough conversation, when there is a confrontation, when there is an issue that needs to be addressed, the gospel says we need to see clearly so that we can go back to what matters most because when you go back to what matters most, you will recognize the beauty of the grace of God that falls on sinners like you and me. And so Paul says, let's go back to the Lord's Supper. Let's go back to an ordinance, a ceremony that you are familiar with, and let's be reminded of what this is all about. That's where we started today. Let's look at it again. 1 Corinthians eleven twenty three. For I received from the Lord what I also delivered to you, that the Lord Jesus on the night when he was betrayed took bread, And when he had given thanks, he broke it and he said, this is my body which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, also, he took the cup after supper saying, this cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat this bread and you drink this cup, You proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. Isn't it interesting that as the Apostle Paul sets up the true heart of the Lord's Supper and reminds the people of God of what matters most, he inserts this little statement about what takes place for Jesus when he goes to the cross. He says, on the night he was betrayed... There's a lot of different things Paul could have said about that night. He could have said on the the night that they gathered together in the upper room. He could have said on the night that he was whipped and, and beaten before he was taken to the cross. He could have said on the night that he was put through a mockery of a trial. But he said on the night he was betrayed. What is that highlighting? It's highlighting when one of his own disciples, Judas missed the point altogether and decided that what was most important to him was the most important thing. And he betrayed the very Savior who he had followed for three years. That is what is at the heart of division, at the heart of factions, 
we begin to say, there is something that matters most to me, I really don't care what matters to anyone else. There is something that matters most to me, I really don't care what God says about what matters most. And we miss the point altogether. Paul is saying, let's remember the beauty of what Christ has done. Let's remember this gift that God has given us. Let's go back to the cross because the cross, as Kim so beautifully said a moment ago in our worship time, the cross levels the playing field. The field is level at the cross. At the cross, we are reminded that we all have sin and fall short of the glory of God, but that God has done for us what we could never do for ourselves. God has made a way when there was no way. That's what the cross shows us. The body and the blood of Christ given for the sins of the world so that those who trust in Christ can receive the grace of God, can be given a new story, can be set free in the freedom of the gospel, and can live a life that brings glory and honor to God because of who he is and what he has done. Paul's saying that's the point of the Lord's Supper. Remember the cross. Remember your desperate need for God's grace. Don't forget the gospel. Because you cannot live with a mentality of spiritual elitism when you live in light of the gospel. You cannot live like your preference is the most important thing and more important than anyone else's preference if you are living in light of the gospel. You cannot create division that is driven by a personal agenda when you are living in light of the gospel. And so Paul says, take and eat and remember what Christ has done so that as you remember what Christ has done and you remember the new story that you have been given, you can live like it. You can live in light of what you have received through Jesus Christ. For before the cross and the power of the resurrection, we were all hopeless. We were all helpless. But the gift of salvation has been offered to us to give us a future and a hope. And on that, we stand secure. So as we enter into the Lord's Supper, we do so again through the lens of the scripture And we close with verses 27 and 28 and what the Apostle Paul says about the observance of this beautiful ordinance. He writes, whoever therefore eats the bread or drinks the cup of the Lord in an unworthy manner will be guilty concerning the body and blood of the Lord. So let a person examine himself then and so eat of the bread and drink of the cup. What does it mean to eat or drink of the elements of the Lord's Supper in an unworthy manner? 
Why does the Apostle Paul highlight this? Well, the way you take the Lord's Supper in an unworthy manner is to take the elements of the Lord's Supper that point us back to the cross without acknowledging your need for the Savior and worshiping the Savior for who he is and what he has done to set you free in the gift of new life that he alone can provide. An unworthy manner in observing the Lord's Supper is to go into the Lord's Supper without acknowledging there are things in your heart and things in your life that need to be laid before the Lord. For the only way to enter into the Lord's Supper in a worthy manner is to do so with a heart of humility and repentance. That's what happens when we truly remember the cross. When we truly remember the cross, we don't elevate ourselves and our preference or agenda. When we truly remember the cross, we humbly go before the one who is deserving of being high and lifted up. When we truly remember the cross, we recognize there are things in our life that cause us to be so unworthy of who God is. But he has done for us what we could never do for ourselves. And he has invited us to be called a child of God. And he has invited us to rest in the beauty of his grace. He has invited us to recognize the gift of his love. He has invited us into a new story altogether. And so we observe the Lord's Supper through humility and through repentance because we remember the cross. We remember what Christ has done. We remember who we are in light of the gospel. And we remember the invitation he has given us to be set free. Over 500 years ago, a young German monk nailed a document to the chapel door of the Wittenberg Chapel. This document has become known as the 95 Theses. That young German monk was a man named Martin Luther. That document began the radical transformation of what we know as the Reformation, reminding the church of what matters most. And at the beginning of that document, the first statement, the number one theses of the 95 theses that Luther nailed to the chapel door, this is what Luther wrote. When our Lord and Master Jesus Christ said, repent, he intended that the entire life of believers should be repentance. This is what it means to return to the Lord's Supper. 
Repentance is not a one-time thing where we acknowledge our need for Christ and receive the gift of salvation and then move on with our lives. No, repentance is the heart of one who follows Jesus, who recognizes over and over and over again, there are things in my life that are not right, but I go before the Lord, his grace and mercy falls, he lifts me up to live a new life and I can live for his glory, that's repentance. To say, yes, Jesus, I need you and I return to what you've done and I'm so grateful for what you've done and it will change the way I live. So will you enter into this beautiful ordinance in a worthy manner, with humility, with a posture of repentance that says, Lord God, you have done for me what I could never do. There are things in my life that need to be laid before you and I trust you to cover me in your grace and to use me for your glory. We go before the Lord in the observance of this ceremony with gratitude, with thanksgiving, but certainly with humility and with a heart of repentance that says, we want to live for what matters most. And so we lift high the name of Jesus. Would you pray with me as we prepare our hearts for the observance of the Lord's Supper? Heavenly Father, we come before you in gratitude for the gift of Jesus Christ. We look to the cross and we remember There was tremendous sacrifice so that we might live. Father, we look to the cross and we remember that there is an invitation to live a new story. A story that is not about us, a story that is all about you. Lord, we look to the cross and we remember there are things in our lives that need to be crucified. There are things in our lives that need to be covered in the blood of Jesus. So Lord, we look to the cross and it is humbling, but we look to the cross and it is liberating. We praise you for the gift to walk in freedom in light of what Jesus Christ has done to offer forgiveness for sins and to grant us the gift of new life here today and eternal life forevermore. We look to the cross and we remember. Thank you for this time. Examine our hearts as we come before you. It's in Christ's name I pray. Amen. So you can take your elements if you're joining us online, whatever you have, if you're here in the room, this prepackaged little cup, I will give you a, a little warning. There's two layers of plastic wrap on this thing. So the first layer is kind of hard to get open. That's the one where the bread is. You can go ahead and tear this apart. Try not to spill it all over yourself. But if you do, it's 2020, it'd be fine. It's not a big deal. But get that little wafer that represents the body of Christ and Open the lid on your little cup that represents the blood of Christ. 
Anytime we enter into the Lord's Supper, we do want to remind everyone that this is a ceremony for those who are followers of Christ. I, I hope you gathered that through the sermon that was this just preached. This is a ceremony for those who are followers of Christ. So if you're not yet a follower of Christ, we are so thankful you're here. We want you to know that Jesus Christ died on the cross for your sin. We want to see the day where you trust your life to him. That, that is our heart's desire for you that you would experience the freedom of Christ and the gift of salvation in a personal way. But if that is not a decision you have made to this point, we do ask that you would hold off on observing these elements. There's no reason to further contribute to the hypocrisy of the church by doing something you don't believe. But for those who are followers of Christ, this is a moment for you to remember this gift to reflect on what God has done in your life, to lay before the Lord anything that needs to be laid before the Lord that you might live in light of the gospel. So we take this bread as Jesus did with his disciples. You can break it if you would like to do that. It represents the body of Christ that was given for your sin and for mine when Jesus Christ went to the cross. Take and eat and remember the gift of Jesus Christ. And then as we just read, Paul so beautifully states it, we take the cup and we remember this new covenant. A new covenant that says, your sacrifice for sin will not be enough. But there is an ultimate final sacrifice that has been made for your sin and mine. It is the blood of Jesus. It ends the sacrificial system altogether. And it invites you into a new story, a new life, a new covenant, a new day. To live in the freedom of God's amazing grace. So take and drink of the cup and remember the blood of Christ that covers your sin. Let's pray together. Father, we thank you for this beautiful gift you have given us in the Lord's Supper. This divine ordinance, an amazing, amazing cherished ceremony for thousands of years in the church instituted by Christ himself so that we would remember the beautiful gift of the gospel. Lord, I pray that our hearts are stirred today, stirred up by what you have done. We lay our lives before you. We praise you for your mercy and grace. And we pray that you would give us eyes to see what we need to see, that we might live by faith as a picture of your love to the world around us. Thank you for the gift of Jesus Christ. It's in his name we pray. Amen.